Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Good morning, everybody. So excited to see you. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us here at church this morning. We're glad, especially your first-timers, just love to greet you and welcome you afterwards, but just thanks for taking the time to, to take a, a moment in the madness of Orange County. You know it's madness out there. Did you know that? This is March madness in the middle of Orange County madness, right? And people are going crazy, and the mountains are going crazy. Did you see the super bloom on the mountains? Oh my goodness, it's exploding, and so are my allergies, unfortunately. But I mean, it's madness out there. We got madness on the court. You know, March Madness, incredible games in basketball. Anybody see those games? Incredible games yesterday. And the outcomes, you know, who could predict them? It was awesome. And then we got the Orange County madness. I was on the freeway yesterday, and you know, it's madness on the freeways. People go 80 now, 90. I'm like dodging people left and right, just trying to survive on the 55. Everybody's chasing after it. Everybody wants it. We're all looking for life. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for worth in the OC every day. It is a madness rush. And that's what I love about this series because 2,000 years ago, a man came and Luke's gospel, we're going to read Luke chapter 19, one of his disciples, Luke, who was a physician in the first century, wrote this book to a group of Romans in the first century saying, hey, stop the madness, guys, because your worth, your value, your purpose only comes from him. That's why Luke wrote this gospel, to point his friend Theophilus, this man who was looking for wisdom. He wrote it to his buddy and said, you know, if you want wisdom, if you want worth, it comes in and through him. The one who is worthy, Jesus. As Ben said, I don't feel worthy coming to church. Sometimes it's hard for me to get up on Sunday mornings and go, you you actually want me to get up there and talk to them about something that I can't even live up to, God? I feel so unworthy sometimes. Just like you feel unworthy many times. But our worth doesn't come from when we show up to church. Our worth doesn't come from just reading the Bible. Our worth doesn't come from what we do, what we have done or haven't done. Our worth comes through him and an abiding relationship with him. That's what Luke wrote to the first century. That's the message that God wants to give people today. Maybe you in the madness of Orange County, trying to find worth and yet struggling to know where it comes from. It comes in and through him. Jesus, all throughout this gospel, was telling people and pointing people to God, the God who loved them, the God who sent him as the one and only Son of God to bring worth and value into their lives. And he was always saying, beware, watch out, be careful for the lies of this world, be careful for... The technology, don't push it too fast. Be careful for the lies of this world because they will deceive you. Don't buy the lies of the world's worthiness. 
Why are people running so fast in Orange County? What are we chasing after? What have we bought into in our culture? The lies of unworthiness. You are what you earn. Is that a lie embedded in the OC? My value comes from what I earn. My value comes from my bank account. My value comes from my financial statement. My worth is what I own and what I earn, right? That's the second line. You are what you own, what you drive, what you can purchase, the house where you live in. That's where your identity is. That's where you'll get acceptance, purpose, and meaning. If you have the right house and the right neighbor, you are what you own. You are what you can purchase. Conspicuous consumption, man. Look at what I bought. Look at my label. Look at these threads, man. I'm worthy because what I got on, right? That's coming at us every day in the OC. You are what you can buy. You are what you can earn. You are what you can produce. If you can produce enough, you can earn enough, and you can find worth in the OC. And over and over again, Jesus shouted out to his friends, his disciples, and the culture around him. Those are lies. Your worth doesn't come from them. It comes in and through me. It comes in and through the kingdom of God that's now here, available to you, open to you through the gracious love of God. Your worth comes because you are one who's been created in the image of God. I've come to redeem and restore that image in you and bring you back into life in relationship with the Father. Your worth comes from Him. You know, these lies of unworthiness, and maybe you can relate to these lies. Maybe you've heard these lies whispering to you from the TV set. When you lie awake at night and you worry about your finances or your job or if you're enough. When you go into the marketplace and you compare yourself with other people that might be making more money than you or driving better cars than you. What's wrong with me? I feel less than, right? You've heard these lies spoken to you deep within your soul. And these lies are attached to idols. These lies are attached to tangible things in this world that are idols that we use to try to find the answer to this, to find our worth, to find meaning and purpose, right? These are attached to the idols of our culture. Money. What's the number one American idol? Money, right? What's another American idol? Work. Performance, popularity, right? If I can get enough people to like me on my Facebook, man, then I have worth. If people say enough good things about me, you know, popularity, sex. If I have the freedom to have sex with whoever I want to, whenever I want to, man, then I find worth through sexual intimacy with as many people that are good looking like me that I can have sex with. That's where I find my worth. These are the idols that are embedded in our culture, right? Guys, we struggle with this. When I was a young man, I bought these lies, hook, line, and sinker. You know what my idol was growing up from the age of maybe 8 to 25? My idol was a basketball. Basketball was my idol. Why? Because I lived for basketball. I slept for basketball, I dreamed about basketball, I worshipped basketball, I got my security from basketball, I got my meaning and purpose from basketball, I worshipped basketball. I knew about God, but I prayed that God would make me six foot six, I only made it to six four, 
So I could be a great basketball star and everybody would love me. I'd find identity. I'd find purpose. I'd be loved because of basketball. Do you see how I made basketball? It was a gift from God, but I made it an idol in my life. And it was great for a while until I couldn't serve it anymore. I couldn't love it as much as I could. I couldn't perform with it because I got injured. And I blew up my ankle. In college, the dream to go to Division I, I blew up my ankle and my Division I dream went out the door and basketball left me by the side of the road. I lost my job, starting job. Division I coaches didn't care about me anymore. I lost all my worth because I lost basketball. Do you see how fragile worldly worth is? I lost myself because I lost basketball because it was my idol. Fortunately, there was a disciple of Jesus in my life. A person that I looked up because he was a Division I basketball player, and I wanted to play for the same school. And he came alongside me, and he loved me, and he showed me, Bucky, your worth doesn't come from basketball. His name was Danny Frost. I'll never forget him. He, he spent one-on-one time with me in God's Word, and he said, Bucky, your worth doesn't come from basketball. It comes from him. He loves you right where you're at. Your worth comes from God's belovedness in your life. And he began to change me. I began to leave that idol and move towards intimacy with the living God. That's why Jesus came. To set us free from the lies of the idols of this world. Jesus would always put warning labels on idols. You know, you know before you smoke a cigarette, there's a warning label. Now, be careful. Smoking the cigarette could be hazardous to your health, right? Be careful. If you take too much of this pill, it could be hazardous to your health. Jesus put a warning label on the idols of this world all the time. Be careful. Be careful. Idols can be hazardous to your spiritual health. Be careful out there in Orange County, disciples of Christ. Idols can be hazardous to your spiritual health. There is a warning label on the idols of this world. There's actually one on a dollar bill if you want to take it out and look at it. What's the warning label on a dollar bill? In God we trust. Right? How many people look at that and say, in God I trust with this money. Do they trust in green or do they trust in God? There's a warning label on that dollar bill because it is the God that's going after your heart in Orange County. It says, be careful. Don't trust in this. Trust in God. Be careful. Jesus said all the time, Luke 12, 15, he said to them, watch out. Warning label, be careful. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Your identity is not in what you own and what you earn and what you can produce. Your purpose is not in what you own or earn or produce. Your worth is not in what you own or earn or produce. Your worth is way bigger than that. It is in God because he created you, he redeemed you, and he wants life for you in him. Warning, be careful for the idols. See, worldly things can never give you eternal worth. Worldly things can never give you eternal worth. Money can never give you eternal worth. Products can't give it to you. Your house can't give it to you. The stuff of this world cannot give you eternal worth. See, when we take something that's earthly 
And we ask it, basketball, to give me eternal worth. Basketball, give me significance. Basketball, give me security. Basketball, give me love. I'm asking a basketball to become God in my life. It can't do that. Money can't do that. Sex can't do that. Your work can't do that for you. Only God can do that for you. And in the West, as Nietzsche said, a philosopher, a famous German philosopher, he looked at the West and he says, guys, guess what? You guys are jettisoning God, God, and guess what's going to happen? You're going to replace God with money in the West. He actually predicted this was going to happen. Where we're at in America, he looked at America and said, America is getting rid of God, but it needs a God, so money is going to become its God. And money is the number one American idol. It is the God replacement, the God substitute. It's what we look for to bring us worth, value, security, and significance. Watch out. Why? Because idols will blind you to your true worth in God. The American idols will blind you to your true worth and significance in God. Be careful. Warning label on the idol. Because that idol is going to ask you to trust it. It's going to ask you to love it. It's going to ask you to put it above all things. Anybody familiar with the educational scandal that's all over the TV set, all over Facebook, all over every social media platform? Right? What makes somebody willing to sacrifice their career, sacrifice their reputation, sacrifice their family, sacrifice their life? What is it? The idol of money, the idol of greed has destroyed students, has destroyed faculty, destroyed coaches, all because of the love of money. They are blinded and they're willing to put it above their reputation, their family, and the lives of the students they're supposed to serve. Do you see the deception? And none of us are immune from this. Guard your heart. Watch out. This idol is not neutral. It's coming after your soul. Jesus called it a God, mammon. It's coming after your soul. It's coming after your identity. It's coming after you. It's speaking to you all the time. Trust in me, serve me, and love me. And I'll make you fulfilled. Jesus put a warning label on idols. I think we should too. But the cool thing about Jesus is that he came to set us free from idol entrapment. He set me free from the idol entrapment of basketball. He wants to set people free from the idol entrapment of money and workaholism and addiction and all the idols that trip us up in the OC today. The life of Zacchaeus is a major, major story that gives us hope that God can set us free from the American idols and bring us into a new life of freedom in him. In Luke 19, Jesus is entering Jericho for the last time. He's heading towards the cross and Passion Week. It's madness for him, right? It's madness for Jesus because he knows what's ahead of him on Palm Sunday. The crowds are going to worship him. The crowds are going to receive him. And yet a week later, those crowds are going to say, crucify, crucify. It's madness. And he's going to face the madness of the cross. But Jesus is not too busy not to look out for the one. Jesus is always looking out for the one. I love great guards. I love great guards because I was a forward. And because when a forward has a great guard, the guard is always looking out for the one. And when you're open, when you make a cut and you're open, that guard doesn't have his head down like this. He's not looking down. He's looking to get the ball to the one. 
Jesus loves great disciples. Grace-filled disciples are always looking out for the one. Jesus is teaching his disciple, in spite of the madness, in spite of the crowds, we're always looking out for the one. Who's the one that needs grace? Who's the one that needs the gospel? Who's the one that I'm praying for that God might open a door? Jesus, who is the one that you've called me to work today for? You've taken me to my neighborhood for? Who's the one you've called me to my family for? Who's the one? Jesus walked in Jerusalem. His head is up. He's ready to give the ball of God's grace to anybody who's open, and this one is the chief sinner in the town. His name is Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. He's just not a tax collector. He's in charge of all the tax collectors in Jerusalem, a major trade city. This dude was wealthy beyond wealth, probably one of the most wealthiest people in the city. His idle money had blinded him to his true worth in God. He's a Jew. He has the promise. He has the promises of God. He's been circumcised, and that makes him a faithful Jew. He has the temple where he goes and would have sacrificed and received the grace of God in the temple. He could have prayed there to God. He has a heritage and the promises that one day God was going to send the Messiah to redeem his people. He had all that, and he threw it out the door. He walked away from his God. He walked away from his community. He became de-churched, unchurched, burned out on that place, and walked away and went after the God money. And so he became a tax collector. He ripped off his own people, the Jewish nation. He was in bed with Rome. He made a contract with Rome that he could go tax people as much as he wanted beyond what the Romans set the, the tax rate. He had Roman military and Roman laws behind him. And he could take his fellow Jews and throw them into prison and take everything they owned if they didn't pay the right tax to him. Because of that, he was hated and despised by his community. And as far as the religious people were concerned, he was unredeemable. He was a chief sinner. He was an apostate. That means he was outside of God's favor and he was unredeemable. You see, Zacchaeus' bank account was full, but you know what? He was in deep bondage. He was in deep bondage to guilt because of what he had done to his people and what he, how he'd walked away from God. He felt guilt and he felt shame. He felt judgment. He was in deep bondage to hatred because everybody would judge him and contend, condemn him. He had no friends, no friends in the community other than people like the Romans or other tax collectors, maybe that he was in, in, in colleague with. He was isolated and all alone. You see, that's what idols ultimately do to you. They promise you life, and they bring you to slavery and bondage. They promise you hope, and they steal that hope from you because the hope is temporary, short-term, and ultimately unfulfilling. Zacchaeus was entrapped by the idol of money, like many people are entrapped in our world today. But Jesus had come to set him free. The beginnings of God's grace because Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus. Jesus was famous in the land by this time. You know, Jesus had sent other disciples, the 72, out in front of him, and they went to villages and they proclaimed the good news. And certainly the tax collector network would have heard of Levi. One of Jesus' chief disciples was named Levi, he was a tax collector. He even had a party at his house and invited all his tax collector friends. We learn about this in the Gospel of John. And so the message of grace, the message of the fact that 
The, the worst sinners had a chance to be redeemed and receive grace through this one Jesus Christ, totally different than the religion of his day, gave Zacchaeus a light inside of his cold, dark heart. And all of a sudden, he was starting to become awakened to the message of God. He was awakened to the call of freedom in his heart because that's why he, he chose that idol. He wanted freedom, and it ultimately gave him slavery. Right? We think alcohol can bring us freedom, it gives us slavery. We think sex gives us freedom, but unhindered sex brings us into slavery. How many times do I talk to people that are addicted to pornography and they want freedom and they can't get out? They're addicted to money, they're in bondage to debt, they're being crushed by debt and they can't get out. Warning. And yet there's an opening through the light of Jesus. If you are in bondage to an idol today, there is hope for you. Through the person and power of Jesus Christ. And so because he longed to be free, he was willing to climb up in a tree. Now this would have been shameful. This is a shame and honor culture. We would think nothing of this today. Some guy goes up and climbs in a tree. Oh, there's Ben Appleby with his son up in a tree. Everybody thinks that's normal, right? But in those days, Zacchaeus was wealthy. He would have worn a skirt. He was he had the best threads. He would walk around with a swagger because he was the chief tax collector. For him to climb up a tree would have been shameful. People would have mercilessly shamed him for that because he was already hated. So to be put on display, this guy is so longing for freedom, he's willing to climb up in a tree to get a glimpse of this one that's proclaiming hope for the hopeless. And as he climbs up in that tree, Jesus is coming along the way. What stirred up Zacchaeus' heart? The grace of God. Why are we praying for these names? Why are we praying for these names? Why did I get up this morning and go into Del Mesa Park and walk around? There's no Easter eggs there. There's no people there. Why do I walk around that? Because I believe that the Holy Spirit moves in people's lives. I believe our prayers matter to God. I believe when we pray, God opens up the heavens and the Spirit moves and people's hearts are stirred up for God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that these names are worth your time to pray for and to get on your knees and ask Jesus to save their souls? I believe lost people matter to God. I believe God's given us the privilege to seek and save the lost. I believe your prayers matter. I'm asking you to pray for the lost. I'm asking your heartbeat to care for the lost. I'm asking for you to bleed for the lost and give your life for the lost because those people matter to God. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. Uncle Mikey, my brother-in-law, when we first came to Christ, he was at UCLA. He was in economics. I was 16 years old. He's an economics major at UCLA in a fraternity and, and laughed at us. You guys are crazy. You, you, you're, this, is a, this is a fad. It's going to fade away. Catherine and I prayed for Mikey every day. Mikey got a big job with U.S. Steel. Mikey went across the country. He became an executive with U.S. Steel. He got a beautiful wife. He got married. He had it all. He had the American idols, and then his life fell apart. And Mikey lost his marriage. He lost his hope. He became despairing. And Mikey remembered the invitation that I gave him to, to, to go to a church there in Chicago called Willow Creek Community Church. And Mikey went to Willow, this is 16 years after we've been praying for Mikey. And he went to Willow Creek Community Church and he gave his life to God. I believe it was because the prayers and the power of God do not give up on lost people. 
Do not stop praying for your friends and your wayward sons. Do not stop praying for the lost and the broken because God's spirit is moving. And if there's going to be revival in America, it's going to start on our knees and praying for the lost. And the revival and the passion that gives us the desire to sacrifice for the lost. You see, that's why Zacchaeus made, because the grace of God was moving on his heart. And ultimately, freedom comes from fellowship with God. When Jesus comes to the spot, right where Zacchaeus, he stops right at that tree because he was the one. And Jesus reached the spot and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Not Zacchaeus, what are you doing? Zacchaeus, you're a fool. Zacchaeus, you know what? You're a sinner. Zacchaeus, come down immediately because we're going to lunch. Let's go to lunch. Let's be friends. You see, in the ancient world, Jesus says, I must stay at your house today, immediately. So Zacchaeus comes down and welcomes Jesus into his life. You see, in the ancient world, when you invited somebody to have table fellowship with you, it wasn't a casual Starbucks coffee. It meant, I want to be your lifelong friend. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, saying to the worst sinner in the town for all the people to see, you know what, Zacchaeus? In spite of who you are, in spite of what you've done, I love you. I want to be your lifelong friend. The one that was unreachable. The religious community thought this person was unreachable. They had judged this person and thrown him out. Jesus says, nobody's unreachable by the grace of God. Jesus is excited to stay at his house. He offers him friendship. Jesus extends the offer of God's grace, God's acceptance, God's mercy, God's love, based on his love, not on our performance, not on anything that we do. Freedom, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from the past, freedom from judgment, freedom from condemnation, and a lifelong fellowship intimacy with God. Salvation is not just a transaction, guys. Salvation is not just a one-time event when I say a prayer and I got my ticket to heaven. Salvation is not just a transaction where I I give my sins to God and he gives me eternal life in him and I just walk away and live my life any way I want to. Jesus saved us for friendship and relation. Salvation is intimacy with God. Salvation is friendship with God. Salvation is walking with God both now and forevermore. That's why Jesus came to bring us back into an intimate relationship with God, and that displaces the idols in our life. Perhaps the American church is in such bondage because we don't understand that salvation is intimacy with God and not intimacy with an idol. We're trying still to be intimate with idols. We've got our ticket to heaven, but today in the world, I need to be intimate with money and intimate with all these other things to try to get my worth. That is a lie. Salvation is intimacy with God. It's friendship with the one who is worthy and came to bring worth to you. It's walking with Jesus in an intimate conversation and receiving his grace and giving him love on a daily basis. That's salvation. And Zacchaeus humbly responds with a joyful acceptance. He he accepts Jesus, right? The invitation is not for Jesus to come to Zacchaeus' house. The invitation is for Zacchaeus to come to Jesus' house and be friends forever, right? Jesus says, invites Zacchaeus into his life. We don't invite Jesus into our lives. He invites us into his life. Do you want into Jesus' life? 
Do you want the salvation, the hope that he brings? Do you want intimate friendship? There's so many people that go to churches and they sit in the tree and they just watch Jesus from afar. And that's awesome, but Jesus might be inviting you today to have an intimate relationship, with him, to have fellowship, with him, to know him, and not just know about him. Knowing about him is just religion. Knowing him is salvation, intimacy. Jesus may be inviting you out of the, of the stands onto the playing field to walk with him in intimate relationship on a daily basis. That is salvation. And if you don't understand that or know that, let us help you walk in that. That's what the church is for, to help people understand what it means to walk in intimate relationship with the God who came to give them worth in him. You see, it doesn't come from religion. Freedom doesn't come from religion. Freedom doesn't come from earning this spot of worthiness. All the religious people judge Jesus and Zacchaeus. All the people who supposedly were close with God said, muttered and said, he's gone to be the friend of sinners. He's, he's gone to, have a, to be the guest. Jesus doesn't even know what he's talking about. He was judged by the religious community. Freedom and worth does not come from religion. Trying to earn your worth from God. Freedom comes from an intimate, life-giving relationship through the grace of God and Jesus Christ. Religion is about earning God's favor through our own works. It brings us into enslavement through fear and pride. These people are enslaved by condemnation. The, the people that are supposed to be close to God are judging Jesus because they're enslaved by religion. They're not free. They're full of pride and judgment. Why, why many times do people think that the church is full of pride and judgment? Because we're enslaved to religion. We're not free to love and give God's grace. Because we have a life-giving relationship with God. We don't sacrifice. We don't give. We don't go after the lost. We many times just judge the lost. And that needs to change. We need to go after the lost just like Jesus did and invite them to our houses. Invite them to table fellowship and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. That's why we're here. The fruit of freedom is a changed heart. Zacchaeus' life is changed forever because he now has an intimate relationship and fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, he isn't talking to money right now. Money's not his Lord anymore. Jesus is now his Lord. Jesus now is at the center of his heart. Lord, look, look, here, now if I give all my possessions to the poor, half of my possessions to the poor, and I've, if I cheated anybody about anything, I will pay them back four times. Zacchaeus' heart has been changed because now Jesus is at the center. And so he's free to let go of his idol. That's the sign of a changed life, that I'm willing to let go of my idol and use it to serve others. It's not an idol anymore. Now it's a tool to serve. God has redeemed the idol, and now he's using it as a tool. What he held on to, his money, his idol, he now gives away to serve others, 50%. The Old Testament called for a tithe of 10%. He says, I'm going to start giving 50%. 50% of what I have, I'm giving to God right now. The law, if you cheated somebody, you had to give back 20% interest. Zacchaeus goes, I'm going to give back 400, what does he say? I will give back four times, which is, 50, which is four times, which I think is 200% interest. I'm giving back the money with 200% interest on it. Can you imagine somebody who'd been, 
been cheated by Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus goes and knocks on the door, and they're full of fear, going, oh my gosh, Zacchaeus, what does he want now? He's going to throw us in prison. He's probably going to take our child. And he goes, you know what? I'm sorry, guys. I'm a sinner. I cheated you. I found this new person, Jesus Christ, and he's changed me. Here's your 100 bucks plus 400 more. Just think how Zacchaeus' story would have blown people away. The one who cheated was now giving himself away to serve others. Is that the story of your life? Has God transformed you so that you're using what you had before now to serve and give to others? Is that the story of your life? Is God changing you from the inside out? That's what the gospel does to us. He is now driven by love, right? Now work becomes a place that I serve others, not just serve myself. Now my talents are, I'm using them to serve others, not just to serve myself, to climb up the chain in Orange County. Now my money, it's not just about me. I'm giving it away to serve others. That's the fruit of transformation. His life has been displaced by his idol. Jesus is now on the throne. This is the gospel. You know, the thing I loved about what God did with my story, because after two years and hurting my, 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 my ankle, I was going to quit basketball. I was done with basketball. I realized that it hadn't served me, and I didn't serve it very well. And I was done. I was over. I was gone. And this, this man who was discipling me introduced me to the coach of Biola. I didn't even heard about Biola. Biola, come on, some small two-bit Half-rate NAI school. I'm going to play Division One. I'm pride. I'm puffed up. I'm the big man. And I was nothing on the ground. He said, here, here's the coach of Biola. I met Howie Lyons at Biola. He invites me to go on a mission trip in Mexico to take this old idol and to use it to serve others. And all of a sudden, I'm playing basketball with a bunch of Christians in Mexico. And we're telling these people about Jesus. And they're coming to Jesus Christ. And so God calls me to Biola. He redeems my career. I get every summer, I get a chance to go to Australia and New Zealand. I get a chance to go to Europe. I get a chance to travel across the world, Brazil. I get a chance to play basketball, the thing that I love, but now to use it to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people's lives were changed. God redeems our idols, and then he uses them to serve and bring the kingdom to others. This is our story, guys. This is the story that God's called us to live in the world This will bring revival to our land when the church lives and serves the lost. Salvation is a gift of his grace. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. His worth is now in God. His sonship comes from faith through grace. God now invites him to share the mission with others. This morning, uh, we're going to close our service. The band's going to come up, and we're going to worship. We're going to take communion. We have four communion stations. Then we're going to do something special as we think about why God called us here, why God has made us worthy in Jesus Christ, why God has placed us in this world. We're going to come up to the communion station, and we're going to celebrate our worthiness in Christ Take the bread and the cup, as Jesus said, and do this in remembrance of me, that your worth comes from my body and blood. That's your worth. You are equal with the precious value of God's only son. And celebrate that worth. Thank God for your worth in him. And then we're going to take a candle, and we're going to light that. Somebody's going to help you light that candle. And we're going to come back, 
and we're going to make a circle. Hold your candle, and that candle represents a prayer. The prayer for the people on this list. The name that you wrote down there. Maybe there's somebody you didn't have a chance. A prayer for somebody that needs the grace of God. That needs to know that Jesus loves them. That needs to be found. These names are real. I've talked to some of the people who put these names on here this week. These names represent a wayward son who's walked away from his family and his heritage and doesn't even talk to his mom and dad. These names represent a man who divorced his wife, got into an affair, and walked away and is in love with money. That's a real story of a hurt person that needs the grace of God and needs to come back home. These, this, one of the person on here is trapped in religion and is full of shame and guilt because they grew up in a religious system that judged them and gave them no grace. And so they've walked away from the church all whole and they need grace. Who is the person that needs your prayers and needs your hope and needs your heart? So we're going to take communion. We're going to light that candle, we're going to circle up and keep those candles and we're going to pray that God would bring these people home, that God would move in their hearts, that God would use us to invite and invest, that God would do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Can he do that for our, with our prayers? I believe, I've seen God raise the dead. I've seen God raise the dead. I've seen God give second chances. I've seen God give hope to marriages. I've seen God save the lost. I believe he's going to do it again. So we invite you to communion, to thank God for your worth. And then we're going to circle up and pray as we end our service. Let's worship him. Let's thank him for the worth that he's given us and the power we have in prayer. Let's come to the table. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.